You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today, we're talking about fear. Movie buff Sarah Century, who has the claim to fame of having watched every single lesbian film ever available on Netflix, wanted to discuss the role that queer female characters have played in horror films. Horror films explore what we're afraid of, both the things that make us vulnerable and the taboos of society. And queerness is certainly part of that, as Sarah explains. October is like Christmas for horror film fans. Although many people categorically dismiss horror as a misogynistic genre, many feminists have discussed the ways that horror can be used to great effect as social commentary. Taboo subjects and stigmatized identities have always been fodder for horror films, which, at their best, poke and prod at the fears and biases of their audiences. The first horror films to feature queer female characters are some of the first films of any kind to portray queer women. Though there were a few not-horror-related queer female characters before her, one of the earliest examples of a queer character in a movie was the Countess in Dracula's Daughter. The film is the 1936 sequel to 1931's Dracula, starring Bela Lugosi. Like her blood-sucking father, the elegant Countess has a bizarre, murderous interest in young women. She seduces them with extravagant gifts and a hypnotizing stare. This makes her one of the first over-the-top queer villains to appear on screen. The Countess is a character who helped define what would become a trope. The film's poster clearly plays into the psychosexual drama of the film, with actor Gloria Holden's eyes peering at the viewer under the slogan, She gives you that weird feeling. In her book Uninvited, Classical Hollywood Cinema and Lesbian Representability, Patricia White makes the point that even sparse, slight, or negative images of lesbian women in film helped form lesbian identities. Audiences had to read into what they didn't show as much as with what they did show. In one scene, Dracula's dark countess stares at her sleeping victim with intense sexuality, her lips drawing ever closer to hers, until at the last minute, she's interrupted. It is only the implication of gayness, but it's a very strong implication, to say the least. It's difficult to imagine how truly powerful these suggestive images must have been to queers during this time, as well as how foreboding they must have been for straight audiences. Actually, the predominant image of queer women in horror much of the 20th century was the lesbian vampire. There are a great deal more lesbian vampire movies than pretty much any other kind of queer movie. Calling these films queer is, of course, dicey territory, considering the fact that they were almost exclusively created by straight people with straight audiences in mind. But the story has appeared again and again. After Dracula's Daughter, there was Blood and Roses in 1960, Daughters of Darkness, Vampiros Lesbos, and the films of Jean Roland in the 1970s, The Hunger in the 80s, Nadja in the 90s, the Countess and We Are the Night for Millennials, and on and on and on. There are dozens of films with the same essential plot. One or more lesbian vampires roll into town, steal someone's girlfriend, and get killed by a dude in the grand finale. The vampires in lesbian vampire movies are evil, murderous, and cruel. But honestly, I tend to sort of like them. Sometimes I even relate to them. When you're struggling to find empowered queer women on screen, scarcity dictates that sometimes you latch on to some problematic favorites. No character is more problematic than the villain of 1971 German lesbian vampire masterpiece, 
Vampiros Lesbos, aka Countess Nadine Carity. This is a character who is definitely evil, but I still relate to her so much because one, her fashion is on point. Two, her crush on professional girlfriend Linda Westinghouse is on point. Three, her tearful origin story is on point. And four, she's a well-read queer performance artist with a passionate feminist perspective that wears black dresses with red lipstick and scarves a lot. I'm literally describing both her and myself right now. There is a four minute long scene where she dances around the stage with a naked female mannequin touching herself erotically. I can't watch her death scene. It's way too real for me. Whether she's a vampire or a mere mortal, the seductive lesbian out to ruin the lives of innocent young ladies quickly became a film trope. In the 1940s to the 1960s, the evil lesbian was profoundly effective in shaping public consciousness of gays. At the time, many institutions had personal vendettas against gay people and the development of queer subcultures as well. The J. Edgar Hoover era FBI villainized queers with unsettling propaganda that sometimes blatantly endorsed homophobic violence. Anti-gay themes are found in a lot of pop culture from the era, but horror films gave us a unique window on this fear. In 1940, Alfred Hitchcock released his film, Rebecca, based on the 1938 Daphne du Maurier book of the same name. The story follows a young woman who enters a marriage with a reclusive millionaire whose first wife mysteriously passed away. The younger woman, who is tellingly nameless and referred to only as the second Mrs. de Winter throughout the film, must navigate living in a secluded mansion where all the other characters, her husband included, are haunted by the metaphorical, or not, ghost of Rebecca de Winter. In Rebecca, there is not one, but two queer characters. One is Mrs. Danvers, a famously wicked housekeeper who tries to drive the second Mrs. de Winter to suicide multiple times throughout the story. The other, the deceased Rebecca, who is described in reverent, haunting tones by those who knew her. She is remembered as being strong-willed and beautiful, with many lovers outside of her terribly unhappy marriage. Even in the afterlife, she has a forceful spirit. Of course, it's 1940, and that means that we find out that she was definitely evil by the end of the film. This exact relationship between a ghost and her incredibly violent lover is almost identically repeated in 1944's The Uninvited. One queer woman is completely intangible, appearing only as a ghost, and yet she is the malevolent force that causes every problem the main characters have in the film. She eventually tires of scaring cats, making flowers wither, and causing drastic temperature shifts, so she escalates to trying to convince a teen girl to walk off a cliff. Like Rebecca and her Mrs. Danvers, this film's ghost has an implied sexual connection with a similarly murderous middle-aged woman now obsessed by her memory. It's 1944, so they don't explicitly state that the two were girlfriends, but there's a lot of scenes of the living female character sighing dreamily at, oh right, the gigantic portrait of her dead friend in a sexy pose that she keeps literally in every room she ever stands in. The evil lesbian trope carries on well into the modern era, with movies such as 2003 French film High Tension, which is not so much about a lesbian relationship as it is about a lesbian fixating on her straight friend to the point of utter insanity.
one exception to the endless images of the mentally ill or wicked lesbian is in the 1963 film The Haunting. We don't talk about the 1999 remake. This was based on the Shirley Jackson novel The Haunting of Hill House, but there's one surprising change. The character Theo, whose queerness is implied only briefly in the novel, shows up in the film version as a full-out gay psychic. I can't stress enough that Theo from The Haunting is probably my favorite character in all of horror. Why? Because she's a psychic lesbian. She flirts with the main character and almost punches a bro for trying to rub her shoulders. Because who wouldn't? Theo, I love you. Besides my personal affection for her, Theo does what has been proven time and again as almost statistically impossible, which is to be gay and survive a horror film. She is visually fascinating with a starkly different wardrobe than the rest of the cast, and a cryptic half smile. Theo is pretty much the cover of a lurid 1950s pulp novel about lesbian witches come to life, and it is glorious. The mysterious way she discloses her homosexuality is brilliant. Theo discusses an apartment she shares with someone, leading the confused main character Eleanor to ask, Are you married? Theo looks her in the eye and softly says, No. Later, Eleanor openly calls her a mistake of nature, and Theo's mouth opens slightly to respond, then closes again, in a moment which I feel somewhat profoundly demonstrates how difficult it is to respond eloquently to that level of homophobia. Modern horror, on the other hand, has developed a penchant for the martyred or innocent lesbian character, who is unfailingly brutalized or murdered by the end of the film. These are horror films, and brutalization is to be expected, but there's something unsettlingly specific about the idea of the angelic queer woman who is punished quite literally to death for her sexuality. In 2012 film Here Comes the Devil, the movie begins with a young, closeted queer woman having sex with her girlfriend before being attacked by a possessed male in an exceptionally violent scene. The girl is never seen again, and mentioned only in passing once. The opening scene seems to be a way to slip a hot lesbian sex scene into the film. In the 2008 movie Martyrs, a young woman is trying to help her violently, mentally ill friend. Our queer hero undergoes what can only be described as some of the most intense and horrifying situations conceivable to the human mind as a result of acts of altruism towards her friend crush. Her queerness is conveyed only by a very brief scene in which she tries to kiss her friend but is immediately rebuffed. It's practically invisible, yet it's the whole reason for the film. Images of queer women as saintly or martyr-like honestly freak me out a lot more than the images of us as evil, sycophantic murderers or vampires, because it displays us as eternal victims. Martyrs is famously one of the most unflinchingly violent and gory films of all time, and I can only recommend it to those who have the ability to watch extremely shocking imagery for 90 plus minutes straight. As a horror fan, I think it's really good and interesting, but as a human a queer human, I definitely had to stop and recollect myself after watching it. It's not always easy to perpetually watch the few representations of queer women on screen meet such violent and horrifying ends. While modern horror films are more likely to feature queer women, and not just lesbian vampires, than early films in the genre, they still often frame queerness as taboo. Even these days on screen, lesbians have something different about them. They're set off from the rest of the characters by their sexuality. Just like Dracula's Countess, filmmakers still set up queer women to give us that weird feeling. Mm -hmm.
That was writer Sarah Century. You can look her up on Twitter, where she describes herself as the Joan Crawford of the queer avant-garde underground. 